0: Jaya giri bara Ya Souda Nandana, Praja Ya Jamunate Ravana Chari Jamunate Ravana Chari Jaya Madhava kunjabe hari kunjabe ha jay madhava kunjabe hari kunjabe hari Gopi Janavallapa Kiri Varadhari giri Jaya Gopi Janavallapa Kiri Ya Souda Nandana Prajjana Ranjana Ya Souda Nandana Prajjana Ranjana Chamunati ravana chali, chamunati ravana chali, chayaradha Kunjabe Hari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabe Hari
1: Jayam Vishnu Pada Paramahamsa Parivajikacharya Astro Tadasati Shishimad Hizda
0: Vaheghe Sri Bhaktivedanta
1: Swami Maharaj Shila Prabhupadiki Jayam Vishnu Pada Paramahamsa Parivajikacharya Astro Tadasati Shishimad Srila Bhaktivedanta Shidanta Thakko Srila Prabhupadiki
0: Ananta Koti Vaisnava Vindiki Namachaja Srila Haridas Thakko
1: Premse kohsi krishna chay tanya prabhuni tyananda si
0: advaitaka hara shiva sarigora bhaktapinna ki jai Shishi radha krishna kubkopinata shama radha kundigriga vidana ki
1: Shivindavan daam ki shimaya pura navjavit ki shi purushu tam chetu ki Ganga maya ki jai shri Jumuna ki jai bhakti devi ki jai
0: Tusi devi maharani ki jai harinam sankita na ki jai Grantaraj Simad ki Kijai Nitai Guru ra Bramanandi Rarebu Hare Krishna. Oh glories
1: to the assembled devotees. Oh glories to the assembled devotees. Oh glories to the assembled devotees. Oh glories, glories to Sri Sri Guru and Guranga. Oh glories to Srila Prabhupada Mamishpadaya Krishna.
0: Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya
1: Today we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam canto 7 chapter 13 text number 20 what is it 22 or 23 23 i think I need to turn on my torch to see this Not easy. <laughs> Not to speak of my eyesight being as poor as it is. Okay, let's see. Is it? Let me. You have to confirm. At least that I've got it right. Tatapi Brumahe Prashnams. Is that right?
0: Tava Rajan Yita sambash
1: anīya he bhavan atmānā suddhi citta cha pram
0: tava śūtam Sambhasaniyahir bhavan,
1: Sambhasaniyahir, bhavan Sambhasaniyahir bhavan
0: Atmana surdim utshita Tathāpe brumahe prajnam dhava-rajanyata-sutam sambhasaniya-he-bhavan atmana-sodhimit-cata prajnam bhavani bhavan atmana shujimichata
1: tatapi pran
0: tava Sambhashamiyahi bhavan. Atma naisa dhimikchita.
1: Still. Still. Brumahe I shall answer. Prashnan. All the questions, Tava, your Rajan, O King, Yathasrutim, As I have learned by hearing from the authorities, Samba, hang on, wait a minute. Sambhasaniya fit for being addressed. He indeed Bhavan You Atmanaha of the Self him Purification Itchata to one who desires. My dear King, this is a translation. My dear King, although you know everything, you have posed some questions which I shall try to answer according to what I have learned by hearing from authorities. I cannot remain silent in this regard for a personality like you is just fit to be spoken to by one who desires self purification purport a saintly person doesn't wish to speak to anyone and everyone and He is therefore grave and silent. Generally, a common man does not need to be advised. Unless one is prepared to take instructions, it is said that a saintly person should not address him, although sometimes, because of great kindness, a saintly person speaks to ordinary men. As for Prahlad Maharaj, however, since he was not a common, ordinary man, whatever questions he posed would have to be answered, even by a great and Exalt even by a great and exalted personality. Therefore, the saintly Brahmana did not remain silent but began to answer. Am I getting this right? Yeah very hard for me to read this but (laughs) persevere these answers however were not concocted by him this is indicated by the words yata shrutam meaning as i have heard from the authorities. In the parampara system, when the questions are bona fide, the answers are bona fide. No one should attempt to create or manufacture answers. One must refer to the shastras and give answers according to Vedic understanding. The words yatashrutam refer to Vedic knowledge. The Vedas are known as Shruti because this knowledge is received from authorities. The statements of the Vedas are known as Shruti Pramana. One should quote evidence from the Shruti, the Vedas or Vedic literature, and then one's statements will be correct. Otherwise, one's words will proceed from mental concoction. Mm. My... uh Flashlight apps trying to sell me something, obviously. <laughs> 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 Om Hagyana Timivandasya Gyananjana Salakaya Chakshu Unmilitam Jena Tasmae Sri Guru Namaha Sri Chaitanya Manobis Tam Stapitam Jena
0: Butale svayam rupaka da mahiyam mukam karoti vachalam pangum langayategarim egrim yat kripa tamaham bandei gurum dinatarinam
1: so Srila Prabhupada makes a very interesting statement here. He says, ordinarily, saintly persons don't talk to the ordinary man. In fact, Prabhupada says, what does Prabhupada say here? Basically, a common man does not need to be advised. <laughs> a common man does not need to be advised. Which is interesting, very interesting. Because in other places, we're encouraged to give everybody the. Yare dekatari kahe kahe, Krishna Upadesh, right? Give to everybody the instructions about one's spiritual identity, who one is, what one's relationship is with Krishna, how we should act in that relationship in order to regain our original constitutional position. But within these instructions, there's a clarification of who is qualified to receive instructions and uh, I I guess there's a a qualification on or, or there are guidelines also, not mentioned here, but that Prabhupada encouraged us to follow when we're presenting Krishna consciousness to the masses. Because it's a fact, most ordinary people, we shouldn't address, we shouldn't give advice to, but rather give an opportunity to make further progress by what? two things that I can think of. What are the two things that Srila Prabhupada encouraged us to engage the masses in what activities can you think of? Loudly. Chanting Hare Krishna, yeah. And what's the other one? Huh? Wasn't prasadam? They're coming to us usually for prasadam, but before that, sorry, books. Yes, got it. Right. In fact, you know, there's that famous conversation where Prabhupada says, what will your preaching do? Right? So Prabhupada encourages the devotees: spend a few minutes with a person, give them a book. Right? Give them a book. Or for many people, just go on the street and chant Hare Krishna. Right? And uh, purify... Pu- basically, purify the masses through Sankirtan. Very interesting, actually. And it's most effective. Most effective. So so the first... The, 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 and, and so Prabhupada kind of supports that, or those activities, specifically for approaching the common man or the ordinary man, kirtan, book distribution. But what distinguishes an ordinary man from an uncommon man? And that's described here. Actually we have two very uncommon personalities and of course that's why they're (laughs) they're in the in the Bhagavatam, the Bhagavatam doesn't deal with ordinary people. Anybody who appears in the pages of the Srimad Bhagavatam is very special indeed. And so, Pallad Maharaj is an exemplary... Uh, he's one of the Mahajans, isn't he? Prabhu Maharaj. <laughs> very, very special personality. And we have the um, the uh, python brahmana. <laughs> huh? And of course, this chapter is called the behavior of the perfect person, right? So we're dealing with really exceptional characters, even though externally the brahmana appears to be um, an attached person because he's (laughs) so, it appears like he's eating too much, right? (laughs) But Prahlada Maharaj is about to reveal through his questioning the qualities and characteristics the internal qualities and characteristics of this very, very special brahmana, very advanced devotee. Uh, And as we were discussing the other day, we don't judge a book by its cover. A devotee has to go deeply uh, into the internal workings of an individual to understand the true nature or the true character. And of course, uh, we do that by questioning, right? By asking questions. Prabhupada says, the most important quality of a man is what? Loudly, I can't even, who's, I can't even see who's talking. <laughs> wow. The most important quality of a man? How he speaks. How he speaks. Second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. How he speaks. Huh? And 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 uh, in this particular case uh, and and you know questioning and answers, questions and answers are going on all the time. This is described in the Bhagavatam uh the animals are all asking questions seeking answers but usually basically where's my food where's my partner you know where's my shelter etc Basic, basically uh ahara nidra bhaya cha eating sleeping mating and defending questions right but what distinguishes an exceptional person from the common man is the questioning of one's identity one's pure identity and uh, as is mentioned here, uh, what's the word? Shudhim. Right? Shudhim itjata. Somebody who's interested in making progress, not in material pursuits, but making progress in advancing in spiritual or spiritual, Uh, real knowledge and transcendental learning. So that's what differentiates a common man from a transcendentalist or somebody who's interested in spiritual life is that ability to ask the right questions they're inquisitive about spiritual topics and topics in relation to discriminating between matter and spirit and spirit being the essence of everything of focusing on um self-realization effectively So sometimes when we're on book distribution, we'll actually find people who are inquisitive, right? And so we may spend some time answering their questions, but you have to be careful, right, (laughs) Gopa, Because sometimes, you know, we've been on book distribution, we found somebody who asked questions, but then after half an hour of wasting time, they say, Jesus loves you, and off they go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so even though there's inquisitive so co- apparently inquisitive it's it's a it's a it's um not sincere right it's just argumentative effectively right? so it's the 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 quality of the questioning has to be focused on um, what was it again? Atmana, should him, ichita. Atmana means of the self, should him, purification, itchata, one who desires, right? One who desires. And of course, uh, as, as we make Advance. Well, as we become more experienced, um, we learn to identify whether a person is asking questions that are actually focused on self-realization, or you know, it's just a, a mental gymnastics, uh, or, or even challenging. Uh, We don't want to talk to such people. I I remember once I was flying to Los Angeles and um, it it was about three hours into the flight, maybe a bit longer, and um, I'd got up to stretch my legs yeah, it was a long, long flight, 13 hour flight to Los Angeles, very, very boring. So I got up and then um, this gentleman got up out of his seat and started to have a go at me, <laughs> started. To, and I said, hey, mate, I'm not talking to you. Why are you bothering me? You know, challenging me why I was a devotee. I think he probably, you know, three or four hours into the flight, he'd obviously had a few drinks decided that, you know, a verbal jousting with Hare Krishna was fair game. <laughs> so that's not the kind of, that's not the kind of conversation that gentle men and, and women, and certainly gentle devotees engage in, too, too confrontational and not much benefit for anybody no benefit for anybody right? we get disturbed they're already disturbed better just but when we get an opportunity to speak to those who are genuinely inquisitive then devotees naturally inclined to reciprocate and so here uh Prabhupada Maharaj is asking questions from the saintly Brahmana. And the saintly Brahmana is uh, happy, enthusiastic even, to respond. Um, And um, we get what Srila Prabhupada calls here, in the purport in the parampara system when the questions are bona fide the answers are bona fide right what does that remind you of if anything a book what's the book called Perfect Questions, Perfect Answers, right? Huh? Which to be honest was the first book that I read that actually made a lot of sense to me. <laughs> I would read the Bhagavad Gita and I couldn't just cope with all of the terminology. But by the time I'd, I'd read, the, when I started reading Perfect Questions, Perfect Answers, I'd been a devotee for maybe a year in the, you know, living in the ashram. And, you know, uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, and Bhagavatam made sense to me when I went to class, but I tried to read it by myself. Too much, too much, I had, I was lacking so much information. I couldn't contextualize what I was reading. That that was the problem. Nothing wrong with the book. It's my problem. Just like talking to the common man, uh, there's nothing um uh, nothing ostensibly wrong with them just they're they're not ready for that level of instruction so um in the introduction to perfect questions perfect answers Brahmatirtha Prabhu gives some interesting observations or some interesting conclusions, because he'd been... He was in India on a Peace Corps working visa, right, special visa, and he was, he was an aspiring transcendentalist in his own mind. He decided that he would go to India to seek out spiritual knowledge. But he was very disappointed when he got there because he, he would go to the temples and the mosques and the places of worship. And he discovered that it was all a, as much a sham as his Jewish upbringing had exposed him to in, in um, New York, right? People were after money. You know, they were, going to, they were going to the temples to get money or to seek recognition or get some fame as a religious person. So he saw the same hypocrisy that he had experienced in his own religious tradition in America. He saw that in the religious institutions of the day, you know, this is the 60, uh, 60s, uh, no, actually early, late 60s, early 70s. Right? I think he met Srila Prabhupada in 1972 in Mayapur, actually. Well, he met the devotees in Calcutta and was intrigued by the enthusiasm of the devotees and and uh, was attracted to their enthusiasm and sincerity and their and their um strong uh, presentation of Krishna consciousness so they invited him to go to Mayapur for a, a retreat weekend retreat, and he says in the introduction, he said, I discovered that it was a a retreat in the making. (laughs) Because it it was paddy fields and straw huts. (laughs) Uh, uh, But it fit within his plan it fit within his plan that he was in India seeking out spiritual the truth. Effectively, right? So, in that regard, there's one of your qualifications, right? There's one of the qualifications. He uh, was seeking truth, seeking spiritual. Enlightenment, which was not uncommon for that era, very, very common actually amongst many of the youth. Not everybody, but he discovered at at Mayapur, Prabhupada was there with 50 to 60 of his disciples. So you imagine, even though Mayapur wasn't built, must have been the devotees must have been pretty fired up. Right? And that was the beginning of Mayapur. Right? So he met, he was introduced to Srila Prabhupada, and had fulfilled one of the requirements. So basically in the introduction of the perfect questions, perfect answers, Rama explains what are the qualifications of a transcendentalist who's eligible to ask you know to not not so much to ask that's one of the qualifications but who's eligible to receive instructions right the eligibility of those who can receive instructions from the spiritual master, and the first one is you have to meet a bona fide spiritual master. You've got to meet somebody, and which of course is Krishna's mercy, more most, uh, 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 as is you know described in the in the Gurbastikam. Yasya prashadat, Bhagavat prashado. Yasya Nagati kutopi. The ultimate destination cannot be achieved if one doesn't meet a bona fide spiritual master. Right? And how do we meet a bona fide spiritual master? Ultimately by Krishna's mercy. Right? So if we want the mercy of the spiritual master, we need the mercy of the devotees, or the mercy of a, of a devotee. Right? So, He'd fulfilled the first requirement. He'd somehow, by Krishna's arrangement, by Krishna's mercy, and of course, Krishna reciprocates with the devotees. The devotees have a desire to understand Krishna or God. Even they may not know the name of Krishna, still there's that, in, that inspiration or that inclination. What is it? Adol Shraddha. It's just faith in the individual. I remember I, I used to go, go to. I was I was brought up in a Christian uh, family, and um, I used to. I can't say that I liked going to church. <laughs> I must have because I used to serve on the altar, and um, two days a week it would be Sundays, which was probably a, I think a ten o'clock service. But I also used to serve on Wednesdays, and that was a seven o'clock in the morning service. So that meant I got up at six, six thirty. So that's you know for a for a 13-year-old, that's pretty keen. <laughs> when you think about it, and I liked it. I liked this, you know, doing the service. I enjoyed that, and I also enjoyed hearing well, not so much. But didn't I like to hear? Wouldn't say enjoyed, but I liked to hear the philosophy, the the, the catechism, I guess, huh? And and as a result of that, I had a a faith that God existed. You know, it just made sense to me. But then of course, when I went to, um, um, when I was 14, 14, yeah, I think it was 14 or 15, we went to Port Augusta. We were living in Port Perry, then we went to Port Augusta. And my friends at school, believing in God and Jesus Christ was very unpopular. So I thought, okay, I'll hide my faith here a little bit. (laughs) Wasn't cool. But still, I couldn't get rid of this notion that there's, you know, that it just didn't make sense to me that everything came about haphazardly you know it was just a char, you know or as is explained even to this day there was a big explosion right and you know we get what we've got now with all of its intricacies and and all of the um you know one of the things that struck me Without having been exposed to very much philosophy of any kind, really, or if if I was exposed to um, philosophy, it was all impersonal, right? Reading books, popular books that you find in you know. I used to go to the Theosophical Book Shop, Theosophical Society Bookshop. I'd go to the Third World Bookshop. And look for books on esoterica, on spiritual subject matter, but most of it, most of the conclusions, all impersonal, huh? really, actually distracting, disturbing for for somebody who. Why, why our book distribution is so important? Although when I when I picked, it, I knew where all the Hare Krishna books were in my friends' houses, and and. Uh, I, I remember going to one of my friend's place and we were just having a chat and I opened up the Nectar of Devotion. Opened up, I've told this story many times and it, it was describing Krishna as a cowherd boy herding the cows and playing with his friends in the forest of Vrindavan. You know, that was just like, whoa, oh, this is far out. You know, How come these guys know who God? How 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 come they dare to pro, to to propose that God is a person and that He lives in a in Vrindavan and herds cows and plays with his friends and dances at night with his girlfriends? You know, I just sort of kind of closed the book up and put it back in the shelf. I thought Ugh, this is too far out. But for personal, I've been exposed to so much impersonal philosophy, I couldn't appreciate that God is a person. And now, I think, it's impossible for me to think of God as anything other than a person, right? Although, very interesting, I was reading the Brahma Samhita the other day, um, and um, uh, it's very interesting to hear Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur's explanation of the impersonal and the personal in the and and he mentions the word self-contradictory form, right? The form of Shyam Sundra is both impersonal and personal, right? And so therefore he describes Krishna as being, his Shama Sundra form as being self-contradictory because that's really hard for us to reconcile. How can be impersonal and personal at the same time? Really hard, and of course for us that's easy. Yeah, sure, easy, he can do anything. And his impersonal form is that which is spread and distributed through his energies all over everywhere. But we, we, by exposure to Um, the um, philosophy and the practice of Krishna consciousness these contradictory elements of our philosophy these these inconceivable characteristics of God effectively become accessible to the devotee. Right? So even though my friends had basically squashed any any enthusiasm I had for uh, pursuing um, spiritual conversation and exploration, I, ne- I hadn't lost the faith that God existed, that there was a purpose behind everything. You know, I, I looked at the way the, the seasons move, the sun comes up, the tides go up and down, everything is... Com- entirely predictable. And so it just struck me so strongly that there's a purpose to life. And of course this is common to most devotees. They understand there's a higher purpose to life than just pursuing material pursuits. And and even material pursuits of which none of them really satisfy you in any case. But the real Satisfaction comes from an understanding of one's spiritual identity, one's person, one's original essence, um, one's original spiritual identity and purpose. Is, is what uncovering that may it, that's what makes us happy and satisfied, and is the real. Um, purpose of, of life, effectively. Right? So he came into contact with Srila Prabhupada. He got Prabhupada's association and an opportunity to ask questions. And of course, the, the mood of the questioner is super important. He wasn't asking in a challenging way, but he was asking in an inquisitive way that was to open up his path of sincere inquiry. Right? So what is it? It's, it's um, tadvidhi pranipatena. So meeting Shila Prabhupada and inquiring prashnena are inquiring, but with submission, not with a challenging mood, right? So there's a qualification of a special and uncommon man is that the inquiry is sincere and it's appropriate to the subject matter and it's appropriate to the um, person who's been questioned, ultimately the spiritual master. And so it's very interesting. Brahmatiata says, I don't know whether my questions were really bona fide or not, because <laughs> he's, he's being humble. Huh? But he said, but Srila Prabhupada humbly and gracefully accepted my questions and gave answers. Huh? And it was Prabhupada who coined the name of the book, Perfect Questions, Perfect Answers. <laughs> and of course, it's, a, and it's, it's an amazing book. It's an amazing... It's a so the questions were bona fide and the answers were bona fide. And so that's what we're going to that's what we're going to be led into in this conversation between Prahlad Maharaj and the um what's it ajagara Uh, ajagara brahmana now in order to understand because sometimes We approach the spiritual master, we ask questions, he gives an answer, he or she gives an answer, but then we don't understand it fully. Have you ever had that experience? Ask a question, get an answer, and it's still scratching your head. (laughs) Ooh, what is that? So there's a further qualification required for there to be a a, a, um, consummation of the relationship, right? This is mentioned by Brahmatita. So, met the guru, asked the questions in the right way, then what? Sivaya. One then needs to go and act on the instructions of the guru. So service is required to fully understand the intricacies of the instruction and the depth of the instruction is to follow the order of the spiritual master and um, render service. You know, there's a famous story of Bhaktisiddhanta, Sasvati Thakur, being approached by a Scholar who had some questions that he wanted to put before Bhaktisiddhanta Sasvari Thakur, and uh, um, the, uh, Bhaktisiddhanta Saswati Thakur Prabhupada was busy, so he suggested go and help the Pajari so he went and went to sc- polish the brass like we we do here polish the brass in the paraphernalia room <laughs> or probably probably on the temple room floor right and then in the engagement of that service the the questions that he ha- had were actually resolved through the rendering of the service, right? So, this process is, is, it's not only just asking questions and receiving answers, but it's also being prepared to render some savour, some service. Uh, and, and, and it's interesting, In the beginning of the nectar of devotion, the first item is uh, Ado Guru Padasraya, right? Take shelter of the Guru. But then what's the next item? What's the next item? Second item? Atu? Diksha. Huh? Diksha. Diksha? Take initiation. Yeah, and then what? Isn't it ask questions? After that. Yeah. Well that's interesting order, isn't it? First of all, you have to take initiation. Of course we wouldn't do that. We'd make sure that the person was qualified first. In fact, in Melbourne we make devotees really jump through quite a few hoops before we'll recommend them for initiation. <laughs> uh, so we and of course Prabhupada did instruct us to do that. But, uh, yes, in those beginning instructions, or four four items, I think it is, of the nectar of devotion, asking questions and then being prepared to render service, to accept um, what one would ordinarily not want and to give up those things that one might ordinarily want to keep. Right? So... Um, one has to pass the test of the, of the guru. And ultimately that means passing the tests that Krishna puts before us uh, in order to fully realise or fully understand the instructions coming from the spiritual master. One has to render service. So Brahmatita, um makes the point uh, or, or explains his good fortune in meeting Srila Prabhupada and how by that good fortune, he was able to fulfill um, the requirements of a of a disciple and um, ask the appropriate questions and, and render some service to Srila Prabhupada and, and ultimately, Uh, become a a disciple of um, his divine grace. So um, that's important for us. Our um, good fortune is we've come into the Association of the Devotees. We've come into the... under under the shelter of Srila Prabhupada, and we have an opportunity to perfect this process, which is inquire submissively, render service based on that inquiry. And of course, for us, that means um, sankirtan, right? Really, effectively. Jagyai sankitan Prayaya Yajanti Right? If we were to um, analyse Srila Prabhupada's instructions, if we were to analyse the instructions of the Bhagavad Gita, you know, what's the, one of the final instructions of the Bhagavad Gita? There's no one more dear to me than he who explains this supreme science to the devotees, right? Which is why we go out and chant Hare Krishna, why we go out and do book distribution. Actually, in one sense, we're marketing, right? This is marketing. We're finding customers, the sincere inquirers. That's what we're looking for. Jagyoye Shankitan Praye Yajanti who made us a half. We look at the Bhagavatam. Study the Bhagavatam. Of course, our goal is to, in our original or uh, eternal spiritual position, become a resident of Vrindavan. Right? This is recommended by Rupa Goswami, recommended by Srila Prabhupada, by the Acharyas. Our, we want to uh, regain our position in our spiritual, uh, eternal spiritual position in Vrindavan. But how do we do that? We have a very interesting process. We do that by engaging in the Sankhattan mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That's how we do it. And of course, if we read the Chaitanya Charitamrita, then we get examples and a, a, a discourse on the philosophy of how to regain our spiritual position, original spiritual position in Vrindavan, by associating with the Panchatattva. And we associate with the Panchatattva who are all originally residents of Vrindavan, we associate with them by the performance of Sankirtan, interestingly enough, and following in the footsteps of Srila Prabhupada. Of course, that's what Prabhupada did. That was his, and of course, that was his service to his spiritual master, right? And so that's our service to, if we want to make spiritual advancement, then we know that or we should know um, that our um, fulfillment of spiritual perfection if you like is done in this age by the worship of uh, uh, Krishnavanam, tvisha krishna right krishna in truth who's always glorifying the Lord. So Krishna in truth, but not blackish Krishna. Although it's interesting, uh, Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur explains that Thvisha Krishna means blackish, but not dull, black. You know, like black as in uh, darkness, but rather Thvisha Krishna means brilliant, Krishna, like a sapphire, right? Krishna's character, Krishna's personality, he's brilliant, glowing, effulgent, even though he's blackish, which is, again, a self-contradictory
0: form <laughs>
1: when you think about it, right? And in the form of Lord Chaitanya, blackish internally, the supreme enjoyer, but not black Golden, as is mentioned by Gargamuni, explained by Gargamuni, when he mentions the four different colours of the different yuga avatars, the one who's not mentioned is the golden avatar. And of course, that's Lord Chaitanya, right? So, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, or, or it's per- relevant, pertinent for us. This service, the service to the guru, in Iskan, at least, in the, in the Vaishnava, in the Chaitanya Vaishnava tradition, is worship of Lord Chaitanya through the performance of Shankirtan, as Atul Krishna Prabhu likes to say, <laughs> Shankirtan. He even spells it, he wrote me, I'm going on Songkitan, so he spelled it S-O-N K-A-R-T-A-N. I thought, oh, that's interesting. That's how he pronounces it. Uh, Shongkitan. And uh and of course, why the Vaishnavas are so glorious. And why and, and why Krishna has such appreciation for his devotees even because the Sankatan mission is mainly about helping others. You know, this is the gopi bhava, not helping yourself so much, but helping others. So very interesting for us, the the perfection of this, this hearing and chanting is ultimately perfected in the rendering of service uh, um, um, through the Congregational Jagyai Shankitan Preyai This is for intelligent people, uh, very intelligent people. The most intelligent, the most finely intelligent people are those who take to the worship of Lord Chaitanya in this age through the chanting of Hare Krishna. And as, and as Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, um, quotes, um, Lord Chaitanya taught actually the Sankirtan, which is the congregational chanting, and he also taught chanting Japa. Uh, and you, you see in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Lord Chaitanya is either chanting on his fingers or he, you know, because he's a sannyasi, so no possessions, but he would knot uh, cloth, right? And then by using the the knotted cloth, he would count his japa. So set the example and taught it, and so we see in in um, the Goswami's, I think, uh, who gave class yesterday? Mamohan, um, right? Sankya Purvaka Nati B Kala Kalavasani krito, wasn't it? The, the, the Goswamis chanted and bowed down in a scheduled measurement, which means basically chanting arounds, right? So that's how you know we worship Lord Chaitanya by chanting japa, our personal um, purification, personal meditation. But we also chant Hare Krishna in sankirtan, and and generally that sankirtan is performed for the benefit of others. Well, <coughs> generally, although. We're, we have a, 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 and that's how sankirtan was performed, certainly in Srila Prabhupada's time. Because now we have sankirtan where we ought to get together and chant Hare Krishna in a temple and have a lot of fun, right? But uh, I was talking to one devotee in, in Govardhan, um, very nice devotee, uh, Prabhupada Priya. Um, and she was telling to me how she feel when she first started going to sit down, kirtan, you know, in the temple room. She said, I felt uncomfortable. <laughs> we never used to do that. I felt, being, I felt like I was being selfish, right? Huh? And I, t- I said to her, yes, if, if the devotees, in, in, in my era as a young devotee, if the temple president found you in the temple room chanting Hare Krishna with your friends, he'd say, haven't you guys got some service to do? <laughs> Because for, for, for us, sankirtan meant go out on the street, as Atta was mentioning the other day, with Korma Prabhu, right? And have a, a um, deeply absorbing kirtan. Because here's the interesting thing, even though our kirtan was for the benefit of others, for some reason with korma, or with anybody really, when you go on Sankirtan and you are engaged in the, absorbed in the kirtan, you're not in, you're not in Burke Street, right? You're not in Swanson Street. You're in Vaikuntha or beyond. And you see it, you see it. The sankirtan party comes down, I've seen this many times, say coming down a Burke Street Mall, and everybody's just absorbed in the Kirtan, and then you see the look and the bodily features of the people observing the Kirtan, right? And what are they doing? Generally, what are they doing? Have you been on Kirtan? Sankatad, what are they doing? Smiling, smiling. yes, yeah, smiling. And you know, I've seen some really funny. One that struck me: there was this two-year-old kid, right, was standing, and it was attracted to the kirtan, and then was standing in front of the kirtan while we were all dancing and chanting, and the child was also dancing. You know, would just move, not fluidly like the devotees, but just, and then everybody was just laughing. Everybody was just, so not in the, and and, you know, that's a characteristic. What is it? Every word is a song. Every step is a dance, right? This is the the spiritual world. So the unique feature of sankirtan is by engaging in that service, you're no longer in the material world. You're out of the material world and in the spiritual world, right? That's why the that's why the jagya and that service, that service mood, and of course anything that we do here in the temple is service to the sankatam jagya, is an essential element of that good fortune uh, manifest in the opportunity to ask questions but then uh, that understanding of the instruction of the guidance that's given by the spiritual master is fully consummated when the devotees engage engages in service and especially if we engage in the sankirtan jagya and that direct service well it's indi- indirect in one sense but direct in another service to lord chaitanya then we're connected this is the, this is the mystic power of of lord chaitanya's creeper if this is why um, uh, kaviraj Krish, uh, krishna kaviraj says just use your intelligence to analyze the 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 mercy of Lord Chaitanya and appreciate its, um, uh, what's the word? Superiority, if you like. Its potency is by engaging in the sankirtan process wholeheartedly. We get the ultimate prize, which is entrance into Vrindavan. That's pretty amazing. And it's mystic how that happens, it's mystical how that happens. Can't be explained by any material means. It can only be engaged in. So that rendering of service, and especially for us, rendering of service to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So that's, what I was thinking about this the other day. You know, there's a lot of, and it's not bad, obviously, it's it's, Admirable and desirable that we worship Lord Ram, right? It's a topical, it's of of note this week. But actually, I was thinking more important, and we don't have as much celebration of it as we should. But the Iskons establishing temples all over India, and who are we worshiping? And why, why we're a little misunderstood in one sense, who are we worshipping primarily in our temples? Huh? And who else before we worship Radha Krishna? Gornitai, yeah. And Tai is ultimately the Panchatattva. And without worshipping the Panchatatva, in fact, Krishnadas Kaviraj, <laughs> I've mentioned this before, there's a very surprising and. Con- um, um, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami says in the Chaitanya Charitamrita that if you worship Radhakrishna without worshipping the tattva, then you are a what? Does anybody know? What are you? A demon. A <laughs> surah. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> wow. That's amazing, isn't it? And so therefore, you know, this, the the worship of Lord Chaitanya, we are so, so very fortunate to have come into the come into um, the come under the influence of Srila Prabhupada and, and his devotees and Somehow, our good fortune is we've got the opportunity to worship Lord Chaitanya and um, and um, that way we get our entrance into Vrindavan. Any comments or questions? Madhu. Give Madhu a microphone so I can hear her. And sp- Speak slowly and loudly, Madhu. Uh,
2: thank you for the class, Prabhu. Um, quite stimulating. Uh, um, I was reflecting about uh, readiness. Readiness? In the, in the life of a spiritual practitioner, mm-hmm. uh, and also parallel to the perfecting the process. It seems. Instu- what was that? Perfecting the process. Perfecting
1: the process. Yeah, just speak.
2: And Slowly. at the same time, he thinks to me that readiness is a multi-dimensional, endless on-progress work. In the Eagerness? sense, endless, endless, oh. on on-progress, yes, and that's work. Here.
1: Shudim, wanting to purify oneself,
2: yeah, and it's something that it doesn't have end. So <laughs> multi-dimensional in that sense. And how can we reconcile with perfecting the process?:
1: Hmm, Nice question.: Surrender is an something that we do ongoing, right? Uh, if we look at the stages of advancement, we see Kanishita, Madhyam, Uttama, right? It's very interesting when we see... Uddhava leaving Vrindavan. Nanda Maharaj and his associates pray to Uddhava or ask Uddhava, can you please ask Krishna that we be blessed so that we're always thinking of him and we're always engaged in his service right. <laughs> and this is this is this is the residents of Vrindavan who that's all they, that's all they do right is think of Krishna and render service to Krishna spontaneously right and they pray and they're praying let us ask Krishna that we be blessed so that we're always thinking of Him and render service life after life. <laughs> so, that's the mood of a devotee, right? It's supp- it's, and it's manifest in the supplication, you know, the offering of oneself and the prayer to always be engaged in service. So, um, a Kanishta Adhikari tends to think of themselves as the best devotee. Right? I'm the most surrendered, you know, i But a Madhyam Adhikari is one who realizes, hmm, um, there's a few areas of self-improvement that I could work on. Right? And then an Uttama Bhakta always sees himself as being fallen. It's a, it's a, it's a characteristic of devotion. Right? And so, um, and, and that, that characteristic is manifest in feeling fallen. Does that make sense? And that's, if you're feeling fallen, tick, that's, you, you've, you're making progress. That's understood, so. But you know, sometimes we think, oh no, I've got to keep on working on myself. And of course, that's not bad, that's good. That's a sign actually of advancement, of recognition of our conditioned nature and our, of our need to improve. And so that's an essential ingredient of the character of a devotee who's making progress. Right? it's the beginning of of advancement, actually. Realising, oh, oh, oops, I've got some work to do. Right. Yeah. So uh, that's. That's um, maybe not much help for you.
2: No, no, I, I was <laughs> also... Improve,
1: but that's the beginning.
2: True. Huh? At different levels, um, thinking like uh, we heard of many times, like uh, in the spiritual life, yeah. we know that perfect, more perfect, most perfect can is yes. something that is always increasing never would be a stop, or we can say unready am ready because it's ongoing progr- process and uh, but at the same time many other factors because for example when we talk uh, today in the purpose said uh, that common people they are not ready or they are not well it's not not ready to receive advice but at the same time like Prabhupada said, he create the auspiciousness, the piety in us. It's not like we were qualified. And, and also, strategies of preaching is the devotee create the auspiciousness for people to be re, so-called ready at that level. Yeah. And that also ongoing prayer.
1: By their example. Yeah. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's that... Uh, pranipatina padiprasnina, so offering respects, understanding one's, or having a some understanding of one's misfortune, one can then inquire, right? And then go and do service, and that's what we see in the character of the devotees, right? That's how they become perfect. That's how they are perfect. That process in and of itself is perfection. right? Instead of strolling around a place like you think you own the joint, right? there's humility. Right? Yeah. And that humility is manifest in appropriate questions and the desire to render service. Right? And, and um, my model, it, just by doing that, we're demonstrating and uh, setting an example for others to follow and influencing others too well huh? yeah so i don't know if that answers your question or not no,
2: it's true. it's nice bro even when you were uh, talking about when you read before uh, you were reading um Sometimes you didn't even understand, but with time, eventually, you know, that things is revealed because the purification process. So I was trying to and meditate more so, in readiness. So
1: our realization just expands, expands, expands,
2: right, right. Yeah. right?
1: Just keeps on expanding. Doesn't stop, Yeah. which is amazing. Right? The ecstasy of a devotee never stops. It's always expanding service never stops right yeah. is that right raja mum and dad are always asking you to do things right always well you know what it never stops <laughs> and then before you know it the devotees are asking to, you to do things but see we're only happy if we're doing things for christ for the as part of devotional service right that's when we're really happy. If we're doing things for ourselves, it's kind of like, mm, this is not so good, I'm not very happy about this. But if I do it for the benefit of others, ah, oh, now I'm feeling relieved, isn't it? But mm. of course, looking after yourself is also part of devotional service, not that we're foolish. Okay we should finish here i think gunturaj shimat bagavatam ki jay shilabrapad ki jay gora baktapindi ki hari krishna